Well, good morning. Isn't it been fun so far? Yes, it has. It has been good so far. This is a great um, opportunity for you to talk back to me. Uh, not talk back, but talk at me or something like that. Hey, really excited. We're in this new series called Overcomer for the month of February. Today we're going to talk about overcoming the curse of comparison. Amen. Anybody need that today? I, I need that. It's going to be really good. I'm excited for it. But before we get into that, I, I wanted to talk just briefly and acknowledge something that um, matters to me and I know matters to our church. I think oftentimes it's important to revisit history. They say if you don't revisit history, history has the tendency to repeat itself. And so it's important to revisit history, to pause and reflect. And we do that in our marriages. We do that every time we have a birthday. And today and this month, we have Black History Month. And I'm excited for this because we are super blessed to have a congregation that is diverse in every way. We, we not only have every tongue, tribe, and language, we have different ethnicities within this place. And we also have different demographics, young generation and old generation. And I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I will say this, I, in my ideology, I wish we were all colorblind, that we would see everybody just as human. But I know when we get outside of these walls, as long as oppression and supremacy exist, then that doesn't happen. Then we fall short of that. And so this month is a month where we get to embrace culture, but it's also a month where we get to, we get to celebrate life. And it's good for us to celebrate life in every way possible. And this month is important to me, and I hope it's important to you. I'm going to tell you this. Inside of these walls, we can be unified together in every way. Inside of these walls, we are sons and daughters of Jesus, all of us. We are sons and daughters of Jesus, of the Most High God. But outside of these walls, we know that culture tries to define it in a different way. And so I'm thankful and I'm, I am a, a, of the utmost humbled to be able to lead this inside these walls. But I believe that we have to move to a place of prayer and maybe specific reconciliation outside of these walls. We have to be the church that looks like heaven on earth and live it out in our neighborhoods, in our city, and in this country in every way. So as long as that exists, we're going to pray for it, we're going to fight for it, we're going to believe for it, and we are going to celebrate life and life abundantly. So that's what we do today, and I want to pray. Father, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to stop and recognize in a moment that there has been oppression, there has been um, injustice. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move us to be a people inside these walls to live out the unity and brotherhood and sisterhood of Christ and celebrate that in every way. And outside of these walls, would we remember that we are sons and daughters of the Father first? And God, I pray that we would reconcile and you would give us the ministry of reconciliation. And we pray for unity in this country and in this city and in our families in every way. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, good morning. It is great to be with you. I'm excited for overcome, being an overcomer. How many of you know we just need to overcome some things? Am I the only one? I know I need to overcome some things. If, if you were to examine my life, you would look at me and be like, man, that pastor is jacked up. I'm going to that church down the road. He, it's a jacked up, it's a jacked up pastor, a jacked up family, a jacked up parenting skills, and all that stuff. And, and we all fall under this curse of comparison. It's something that quickly and frequently comes up in our life. And, and we know this, and we talk about it a lot because I'm telling you, it's constantly coming up in our lives. And, and I'm going to tell you this today. The fastest way to kill something special in your life is to bring comparison to it. Start comparing it to something else. For example, I, I got this nice house. We were blessed. God, God opened the door for us to get an amazing house. And man, it is awesome. It was exactly what we prayed for. Quick access to 1604 on a green belt. I mean, it was amazing, great. And, and I loved it. And I was so thankful. And it was special. It really was special. And it was a blessing from God. And then started watching Fixer Upper. And Chip and Joanna made me realize that my house is not as special as that house. I'm missing some things. I, I prayed for granite countertops, got them, but they're green and brown. I don't want green and brown countertops. I want some nice, sleek marble. Anybody else? Uh, maybe I'm the only one. The college students are looking at me like, you're crazy. I don't even know what that means. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. And we know this through social media. Stephen Furtick says, um, that social media is people's highlight reels, but you don't see behind the scenes. You just see the highlight reels of their life. You see what's happening in their life, but you don't see behind the scenes of what's really happening. You, you see like the nice pedicure feet right by the pool in a temperature that you so want to be in right now. In a summer vacation, you, you, you see you see, oh, man, that person got married, and they're so awesome, and I'm single, and it's just not fair. You see, you see them eating lobster, and you're eating your McDonald's. Nothing wrong with McDonald's. You see all these things, and you start comparing. But you don't see behind the scenes. You don't see how much they saved for that vacation or, or how they saved their spending money to buy that lobster or the fact that that's the only pedicure she's had in 12 months. I mean, you don't see any of that. You just see the highlight reel. And what it does, it makes us start comparing. And it's something read in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. But they are only comparing themselves with each other using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. See, in comparison can make you feel either superior or inferior throughout life. Superior or inferior. For instance, I would compare somebody else's house or accomplishment or, or their grades or whatever it may be, and, and I, I started realizing that they're so much better than me. I feel inferior, and it brings out all those insecurities. Or how about this? We have the generation of minimalists. We have the millennials who are going to drop out of college because it doesn't really matter, and they're going to shrink into a tiny house. 
saw this on the news the other day. They got their sprinter van, and they put like a twin bed in there. And they had their sink, and, and they had their Chemex coffee maker because that's all you need when, when you know, you're young. And they're just happy as life. But whether you have a lot or a little, you can still move into this comparison because the minimalist will start looking at all these other people and comparing themselves like, oh, yeah, you think you need that, but you really don't. We're so much better because we're simple. Isn't it amazing? It doesn't matter how much you have or don't have. We all can fall into this trap. It is so quick for us to fall into. And, and competition can quickly turn you into comparison. Something I fight. My number one strength finder is competition. It's a good thing. God desired me to be competitive. But when my competition is portrayed on other people's accomplishments and it compared to them, that's where I fall short. Andy Stanley came out with a series called The Land of Ur. He says that we all want to be better. We all want to be pretty we all want to be strong. Er, we all want to be healthy. Er, we all want to be famous. Er, er, the, the, uh, the ers. And then Craig Rochelle, who who did this series, he says it's not the er that I have a problem with. It's the est. I want to be the healthiest. I want to be the strongest. I want to be the bestest. I want to have the most insta famousestest. We just, we want the est. We, we want to be the best, and we're not going to stop it. And if we see somebody who has something that is best or better, then it moves us into a place of comparing. We, we do spiritual life comparisons, don't we? Spiritual life comparisons. We see that person on the front row raising their hands. We're like, man, I want to be like them. And you feel inferior. Or you do the opposite. Huh, they're so spiritual. <laughs> and you feel superior over their worship. We do it all the time. And I think we do it even as parents with our kids. Parents, as you raise your kids, you're going to realize, like, man, I want my kid to be the best. I want to be the greatest. I did this with Benson playing soccer <laughs> last year. It was so bad. I mean... His mom was a D2 athlete. I um, you know, know how to do push-ups sometimes. I mean, our kid's going to be amazing. When we get on the soccer field, and I'm like, I've loved my kid. I've encouraged my kid. I've done all these things, and he's standing there. And all the other kids are hitting the ball, but not my kid. And all of a sudden, I realize I'm a bad father. I'm not coaching him. I loved him. But all these other fathers, they cuss at their kids and, and you know, and they make fists and they're doing well. Maybe I should try cussing. <laughs> you beep, beep, beep. I'm just kidding. And we start comparing and, and, and this comparison thing gets us into a place. It's not healthy. Do you know our kid is a baby genius? I know some of y'all are jealous of our kid, Brielle. She's talking sentences. She's so awesome. She's pretty. She's amazing. She's the best. But if I'm putting my photo up against one of your kids' photos, saying that my kid is better than you, I missed it. And I may not literally be doing that, but I may be doing it 
mentally and emotionally in so many different areas of my life? That's the question, and I'm going to tell you, the Bible speaks about this. There was two people following Jesus, John and Peter. John and Peter were friends with Jesus. Uh, scholars say that they didn't like each other. But I really think they were just competitive, and they started comparing themselves to one another all the time. They were, they were a little arrogant, a little full of themselves. John wrote in his book that he was the apostle that Jesus loved. He was the apostle Jesus loved. It was like Moses writing in his scripture that he was the most humble man alive. You ever do that? Post on your Instagram, I'm amazing. Jesus loves me more than you. It was Sunday morning early, and Mary went to go visit Jesus' tomb. Jesus has been raised, and we pick up in John chapter 20, verse 2. So Mary came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Isn't that so fitting that he wrote that in there about himself? This is John, the one that Jesus loved. And said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. It was a race. It was a race. Who's going to get there first? Verse 3, who's going to do it? Is it going to be the one that Jesus loves, or is it going to be the other guy? Peter. So they start racing, and this is how much John was comparing himself and being competitive. He says this three times. Both were running but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Isn't that so fitting? He wrote about himself that he beat Peter to the tomb. I mean, that's pretty competitive. And then Simon Peter in verse 6 came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. I'm going to just put it in again just to, you know, rub it in. Hey, yeah, he was behind me. And then verse 8, finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside three times three times john is writing in his epistle i'm the one that loves jesus the most in fact he said i'm the one who loved him the most and i beat peter i'm better than peter how many of you think you're better than your brother better than your sister better than your mom and dad better than your neighbor i'm better i'm superior it's ricky bobby if you ain't first you're last And in John 21, after the resurrection, Peter says, let's fish. And they don't catch anything. Some guys say, throw the net on the other side. And as they're fishing, John says, it is the Lord. They see Jesus on the shore. It, it is the Lord. They recognize Jesus. And who recognizes him first? John. John is consistently doing this. And Peter, Peter, man, thinks he's all that. Thinks he's a, what is it, a bag of chips? All that in a bag of chips, that's what it is. Don't say that, Ben. Peter would deny. He said, he said, I, I, I won't deny you, Jesus. Right before Jesus goes on the cross, he says, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. I'm, I'm going to stick with you. Although all, all the others may turn away, but not me, Jesus. I'm going to be there. And he says this over and over and over again. And what happens? Three times he denies Jesus. One of them was to a middle school kid. 
I don't know Jesus. I'm bigger than you. I'm taller than you. I've seen miracles and wonders. I've done all this stuff. I've walked on water. But I don't know Jesus, and I'm scared of you. He, he does this three times. And then Jesus finds himself, when he was resurrected, appearing to him. He said, do you love me? He said, of course I love you, Jesus. He says again, do you love me? Of course I do, Jesus. The third time, do you love me? Jesus, you know that I love you. Agape love. Full of love. God's love for you. And three times he's restored. And in John chapter 21, right after that moment, verse 20, it says, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? You didn't ask him if he loves you. you. You didn't do that. What about him? And what does Jesus say? He replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. You can't faithfully follow Jesus if you're always comparing yourself to someone else. If you're always comparing yourself to their accolades, to where they are, you need to be concerned about you. You need to be concerned about you and where you are in your life. An insecurity in, in us that no, that no external wind can satisfy. No wind. It, it, you see, it, it didn't matter who was first to the tomb. And it, it didn't matter about, about John and Peter. It, it just matters about you. About you and where you are. There's never enough to fulfill this thing that's deep inside of you. There's never enough money. You won't be fast enough. There, there's not enough popularity. There's not enough success. You have to look to the outside. You have to look to something else. And we're all asking that question. Do I matter? Do I belong? Do I measure up? Mark Zuckerberg in the social network, if you saw that, this kid who, who was unpopular, no one liked him. He, he, he invents the Facebook, the Facebook. He, he invents that, and he starts getting popular, and he makes, it, he makes it elite. He makes it like only certain Ivy League colleges can access Facebook. Do you remember this? Like only certain, at certain Ivy League colleges. And he didn't open it up to everybody else. And then he, he started including some D2 and, and D3 colleges. I remember writing Mark Zuckerberg, hey, man, can you open the Facebook up on UT Permian Basin? Because, man, it seems really cool. And I want in, man, because you're popular. And in the movie, he, he finds himself with, with Justin Timberlake, who's playing the Napster guy, who just dropped, you know, the album this week. You know, anybody? Just me. Be the only one rocking that album. I was going to wear flannel today, but thought that would be maybe too much. And he, he's, he's getting popularity. He's getting status. He's getting all this stuff. But the, but the thing is, it's not enough. It'll never be enough. And the question that we must answer tonight or today, who or what is going to define my worth? Who? Or what will define our worth? And if you're a Jesus follower, you know where I'm going. The only 
one who will define your worth will be Jesus. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We must win as Jesus called us to win, and all of us are in some kind of industry in this place. We all do different things, right? Some of us are full-time mothers. Some of us are full-time students. Some of us are teachers, and some of us are doctors. And whatever, whatever your industry is, you want to be the best at it. You want to be amazing at it. And with that can come so much comparison. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're constantly comparing yourself to the other stay-at-home mom whose kids obey them when you're in the grocery store. You're constantly comparing, and to be transparent, I compare in my industry, which is the church. This is where I work. I told you I was a little jacked up. But as a church planner, three and a half years old, I'm comparing it. I'm seeing other church plants that are three and a half years ago. Oh, and they have more people and more baptisms. Or maybe I, we have more people and more baptisms. And either way, there's a comparison, superiority or inferiority. And it's happening a lot in my life in, in this context. And I know that you wrestle with it in your context as well. So what do I do with this? I remember being a youth pastor, and we saw our youth ministry grow, 130 kids. They started to change the world. We saw student leaders leading Bible studies at their high schools and all this stuff. And, man, I felt pretty good about myself. And then, and then I saw things change, and you see it go down, and then you feel, you feel bad. And all your emotions are determined by, by the number in your audience, or all your emotions are determined by the grades that you made on your test. And all everything in you is determined by, by your prospect list and your profit and loss statement and your ROI. And all these things is determined, and it challenges you emotionally. It challenges you because it lets you know and it reveals you have this curse. You've been comparing yourself. When I started campus ministry, God spoke to me. He said, Ben, don't bring people to church. What? God, is that you? I mean, why would you say something like that? He said, don't bring people to church. Don't worry about that. He said this one thing. Bring people to me. Bring people to Jesus. And God backs it up in his word because when he speaks, his word will affirm it. He says, you don't build the church. You make disciples. You make disciples. That's what you do. It's what you're called to do. And it was liberating, and it's been freeing, and I've been so blessed by it because I'm not worried about the numbers. I'm not worried about bringing people to church. I want them to, bring, be, I want them to be brought to Jesus in every way. And that's the greatest win that we will ever see. That's the win that's measured up when you bring people to Jesus. Then he has positioned you and called you to do certain things. 
Not the things that you think you should do. No, he's given a plan and a purpose specifically for you. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26, it says, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with a purpose in every step. In every step, I am doing this. In every step I'm taking this, I'm running this way. And my measurement of success is not other 35-year-olds out and their accolades and their accomplishments. The challenge with comparison, the challenge with this is we elevate things above Jesus. We bring into our life little gods, other gods, small g gods. I'll never forget this. I, I was... I was waiting for my wife. I was pure and I was waiting. I'm 26 years old and, and man, she was going to be amazing and awesome and the most beautiful woman in the world, which she was today doing announcements and, and she's amazing in every way. She's going to be awesome and I'm so excited for this. And then I meet her and we get married and then marriage is horrible. We're fighting every day for the first year. I just, what am I doing? Our marriage is not what I thought it would be. It's falling short. The behind the scene reel was falling apart. It was not good. And I'm pretty dramatic, so maybe it was better than I thought. But it was, it was bad, man. And here's why. Because I made her a god. I made my wife an idol. I made her my worth. I made her my everything. She completes me. But the truth is, whatever God's brought in your life is to make you more like him. Our marriage will fade away when we die. But who we became because of this, our sons and daughters of the most high God, we're going to look like Jesus. You see, whatever is brought in your way, whatever you're doing in life, your trial, your blessing, whatever it is, it's to make you look like Jesus. To make you look more like him, to be more in him, and that that would be your worth. So quit comparing. Would you stand with me? And as we close today, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me and posture yourself in prayer and position? Let Jesus determine your win. Quit trying to define your win to somebody else's win. Let Jesus be the one who defines your win. Is it a business with integrity? Is it a marriage with faithfulness? Is it to be a godly dad? Is it to have a heart for God? You would be faithful in that. Faithful in that win for the rest of your life. I want to ask you a question if you don't know Jesus today. But you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. 
that's you in here and you want to confess Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you want him to be Lord of everything, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Jesus, you say confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that you are God and you are raised from the dead. We put our trust in you, our faith in you, our walk in you. You are our worth. We define the win. And for those who are doing that for the first time, I pray, Jesus, that you would meet them and remind them that salvation is theirs today. Today they live. They shall not die. Father, for us who need a break, a curse of comparing ourselves with one another, ourselves with society, ourselves with so much stuff, I break that curse in the name of Jesus. That you would be our God. And we would serve you alone all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.